Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What say you, Richard Ellen Murdoch? Are you guilty or not guilty of the felonies wherein you stand and die? Not guilty. How shall you be tried? By God and my country. The exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered. At the end of the investigation, it was obvious I'm not here to work with them, okay? And the whole point is to have this not fall in the wrong hands. This case is unique, it's unprecedented in South Carolina history. It's an extraordinary provocation. His ego couldn't stand that, and he became a family annihilator. Welcome to Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdoch's Murders, Money, and Mystery. I'm Ann Emerson. I'm joined by our exclusive legal analyst, Charlie Condon, South Carolina's former attorney general, as well as our executive producer, Drew Tripp and Max Harrison. He's our chief photog at CIB, and he is also manning production, and he's also our composer who put together the music for this as well. So I just wanted to start off. This was very strong language uh, from Creighton Waters that we heard today. The state prosecution, it is their time to do their closing arguments. They took their time with their closing arguments. Uh, what did you think? Was it an effective way? I mean, family annihilator, lying. I mean, we're going to play some more clips so you guys get a feel. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the testimony, to, or sorry, the closing arguments mm -hmm. today, what do you think, Charlie? That was a new term for me, by the way, family annihilator. In this case, I had to look it up. Um, he did use it. I thought the uh, argument, it was lengthy. I think that's a fair statement, Over, I think over three hours. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the, the jurors had been to Moselle, so they had already had some, uh, I would imagine that would have been fairly strenuous. But I thought, I'm thinking what the state is thinking is, it's, I thought it was an effective argument in the sense that we've been here six weeks, and what's going to happen is the state will have the last argument in this case after the defense makes arguments tomorrow morning. So I I'm expecting more of a sort of a fire and brimstone emotional type argument from Assistant Attorney General John Metters. And so in conjunction with that, I think the thinking is, let's make sure that we finish it strong that way. But since we've been here for six weeks, let's make sure they don't forget anything. And to go through that in a very meticulous fashion, those PowerPoint presentations I tried really hard to read each line, and it was a lot of information. But then it did refresh my memory on, on some witnesses and some very important factors, and so I think that was the thinking on that. And he had some really good emotional lines. That was certainly one, the family annihilator. I remember the one about uh, Maggie running to her baby as, uh, as, he, as he was mowed down. So I, I think that it had a nice combination there towards the end, especially with the emotion. But I do think the point was, let's 
refresh their memory, let them know how strong a case this is, even though it's circumstantial. And he, in the beginning, he also pointed out that circumstantial evidence is equally valid as direct evidence, which is the law in South Carolina. So I thought it was very powerful to the to, and that's what Judge Newman's going to charge them at the end of this case. So I thought overall, I'd, I'd give it high marks. Well, Drew, um, you were live blogging all of this for ABC News for, what did you think? Um, because, you know, we were in the courtroom, Charlie and I were in the courtroom, so we had a chance to sort of we're taking in a lot, right? So we're mm -hmm. looking at the, the color of what's going on. That's what we do every day. You know, we're, we're not just listening to the arguments or the testimony. We're actually watching the jury pretty carefully, the judge, uh, all those reactions. But you were just straight on what's happening. What, what was your take on how they handled it today? It was overall a lot, as I think as we've made clear, uh, but necessary. I, I think and today was the day we finally, finally, finally got it all tied together and connected some things that might have been glossed over or some hanging threads that were introduced way back when, it feels like. And mm. I was particularly taken with the gathering storm analogy that Creighton Waters used for his final, for his closing argument, which was to, to make the point of everything that was coming, everything that was looming over Alec Murdoch, that cloud building. And it was when he when he was all <clears throat> when he was all said and done, I, I thought it all made perfect sense. And it finally made perfect sense. And I have a few specific examples I, I can get into, but not to belabor the point about loose ends that were tied that made finally made Absolutely. sense to me. But um, yeah. I like that word necessary because there's so much information. If he hadn't done it, and I, I think overall I would have expected if that were the only argument, you'd want some more emotion, particularly towards the end, which uh, wasn't particularly there. There was some good emotional moments, but I like that word necessary, since right. there's so much information to tie things together. Well, give us one example, because I have a couple in my head. I'm wondering if we're sort of on the same page about that. There was a couple of things. That's a great point. Well, with the, with the use of the family weapons, a, a point, and I had tried to ask the... Uh, a spokesperson for the attorney general's office about this a couple weeks back when they were going back through evidence. Um, and I thought I was onto something and never really was able to chase it down. But what they believe was the second murder weapon, what shotgun was used. Yes. I'd never, I'd never been able to uh, either. I missed it or it just never clicked with me Yes, or they didn't say it. Yes. But the, the second murder weapon was, Alex missing Benelli Super Black Eagle version one semi-automatic 12-gauge shotgun. That's unaccounted for, and they made the point today that while the, uh, while the for forensic firearm expert wasn't able to say which gun pulled the trigger, he was able to pretty conclusively say th through some characteristics that it would have been a gun very similar to one to Paul's, which he tested. Paul's was a Benelli Super Black Eagle. It was a newer version. They were able, able to pretty conclusively say that's what the second gun was. And, and y'all might be listening to me right now and be like, what a maroon, what a maroon. this guy doesn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what, this guy didn't catch that that early on. But I, I, it never clicked to me which gun I, they were trying to make the point that he was using. Um, and it was Alex 
missing 12 gauge mm -hmm. shotgun. Mm -hmm. it, and it's so important too, because you need to have those loose threads for, for this kind of convection. If they're going to go there, they really need right to and get it, these pieces of the up, puzzle. Up. So you're thinking that Paul's gun is excluded or is that considered yes. a possibility? I, That's the blackout. They, they, no, I meant the shot, Paul the shot, shotgun. Paul shotgun. Oh. I think they left it as a possibility that they couldn't rule it out. Right. But uh, you take the, here we, here we go again with this word, you take the totality of the evidence, <laughs> what they, they narrowed it down to a type of gun and mm -hmm. know that it's from the tool markings on the spent shell casings or, or shot shells that it would have likely been yes. a Benelli Super Black Eagle yeah. and which one's missing. Yeah. Alex is missing. Yeah. 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 Has he given any reason for where it is? No. Did I miss that? Nor has he given any reason for where his clothes are, why he changed clothes three times that day, where those shoes are. Nope. Why there was well, there was a little bit of uh, the time spent at the uh, at Almeida, mm -hmm. right? Yep. That was intimated that he had time there, mm -hmm. and also thought there was. Uh, wow, that was a big one. Mm -hmm. That six minutes, right? Yeah, and that we never did. We hear that about the OnStar data saying that it was clicking on and off at Almeida. I'm sure we did. It just didn't register because right. of the way it was presented. It was so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, and so that's a. That's the beauty, I think, of what he's did in that some, some court watchers might say, gosh, it was a bit dry and it went too long. But I do think in the totality of what they're trying to do, to use your word, with the, with the ending argument by John Metters, it makes plenty of sense to make sure they see that and hear it because they don't know what Jim Griffith's going to harp on tomorrow. Yeah. They don't know that. And so it's in evidence. They're, and it's an argument as to their, all this evidence is out there. So... However, he phrases the weaknesses in the state's case. I think John Meadows will be primed mm -hmm. to respond very forcefully in a very uh, eloquent and emotional argument because thus far he's proven his worth in terms of his uh, experience and presence in the courtroom. Uh, he's amazing. Mm -hmm. you're, I have to say, Meadows is really mm -hmm. interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, by the way, I don't want to bring this up now, but I, we, I did learn, it was interesting to me because I was so fascinated on the jury charges, on how that was going to go in the back and forth mm -hmm. with the lawyers. And apparently last night, I don't think there's anything nefarious about this, but we all left. And apparently they went back on the record later in the evening there. I don't know what time exactly, but there was then a court reporter there and judge on the bench. And there was a decision made. My understanding of where we are with all that is the state is not asking for a hand of one, hand of all uh, jury charge, which matched Creighton Waters' argument. And there's not an alibi charge that's going to be requested by the or given by the judge, uh, and also not a mere presence charge, so which which means that you know they're consistent with their position. He wasn't there at all during the time of the crime. So it's it's it, it ended up being very I guess sort of in a way straight jury charges on this, and the circumstantial evidence charge will be key, which he brought up in the credibility charge, and I'm sure the defense will make a huge point tomorrow. Wouldn't surprise me if that comes up on a PowerPoint. Reasonable doubt. Reasonable doubt. Well, let's play another clip because we can go back into some of this. I just wanted you to feel a little bit of the presence of the courtroom. So we've just kind of pulled, at least at the beginning, you know, some of the clips that kind of, this is one of the most powerful ones. This is one that I think is going to be what he says in this next thing. I, I really think this is one of those ones that, that the jurors now have to sleep with and it's going to be something that comes back to them. Seeing the diagrams and the crime scene photos that all those cases are in that area between the doorway to the feed room and where Maggie was found. You heard that Maggie had no 
defensive wounds. You also heard Paul and Stibling from that first shot, a close range shot with no indication that he detected a threat from the person who fired that weapon. And why? Because it was him. Same with Maggie. Because Maggie sees what happens and she comes running over there, running to her baby. Probably the last thing on her mind, thinking that it was him who had done this, she's running to her baby. While he's gotten picked up the blackout and opens fire at close range, again with no defensive wounds. And she takes those two shots that you heard Dr. Reber say were parallel, and it crumples her over. In those cases, you can see them move around. It takes that shot that goes through here, and she goes down flat, and then there's the shot in the back of the head. And that was, uh, that was really, really tough. Um, he didn't hold back. He didn't hold back. And he, and this isn't the time to hold back, right? This no, is when no, they've got to like throw everything at the, mm -hmm. at it and, mm -hmm. and hammer home mm -hmm. what's going on with the state's prosecution, mm -hmm. you know, to talk about seeing her baby gunned down by the father, mm -hmm. according to the state, mm -hmm. that, that that's how she actually saw that Maggie saw it, that she was in pain, that she was trying to, oh, the whole thing was very powerful and, and did it three times. I mean, that was, I think he said it three times if mm -hmm. I, if I counted correctly. And um, that is something now that they are going to have to go to bed thinking about. Yeah, I thought that was a really good usage of, of language calling Paul a baby mm -hmm. because it brought to your to your mind that he once was a baby and mm -hmm. she's the mother and even though he's what was he 22 years of age? 22, yeah, 22. yeah. he's always a baby to her in a way right Absolutely. so and every mother on that jury and every every father every grandparent uh brought that image in very powerfully and i think what you want to do and my expectation would be that Many of the jurors, if not most, have already really kind of made up their minds. You do want to bring through the evidence to them and type some loose ends, but you want to give them, a, I've always thought, emotional support mm -hmm. for your position. So when they get back there, if not everyone agrees, that they have the emotional support to stick with it, mm -hmm. to try and use their persuasive powers to bring the other jurors along. And so I thought that was really good to give them that emotional support as to why they should fight for what the state wants is a guilty verdict uh, because... Uh, Maggie was running to her baby. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just hit all basic instincts of humanity. And, and it, was, um, it was a very good use of language, I thought. Mm -hmm. and, I t and that is really interesting to me that there is a, what you're saying is there's a strategy to that. There's like a legal strategy to oh, affirming mm -hmm. emotionally something so that the jurors you know, can do what bring, they want them to do. Yeah, I remember when judge told me one time, I thought this made plenty of sense and not to be too morbid here, but I was really active involved with capital cases. And his statement, which really I think is very true, is that sweet, sweet reason never put anyone in an electric chair, that you have to give this emotional support to it. And you like to think it's sort of an orderly, logical, legal decision, but we're all creatures of emotion, aren't we? Well, and to say that, I saw Alec tearing up. Mm -hmm. yeah, and I, th I talk about playing emotions. I think he is a map. Again, we're here to analyze it. I think he is, is very adept at turning emotions off and on. I, I've just witnessed it. Most people, I don't think, could, maybe some actors in, can do this quite well, but he seems to be able to, to cry quite readily. Mm -hmm. 
and at the appropriate moments, and it doesn't come across as particularly fake to me. It's like, wow, you know, because it's where you think someone who is in his position, of course, he's sitting in the courtroom innocently charged. I mean, talk about one of the horrible things that could ever happen to a person. He's mm -hmm. sitting there in the Colleton County Courthouse, being a, he's an innocent man, and he's being accused of murdering his uh, beloved wife and beloved son. So think about where he needs to be emotionally uh, with conveying that uh, to jurors, and I, I think he's been adept at that. Very um, adept. What do you think, Drew? I picked up on that today more clearly than I think I have ever in this trial. To me, watching the live feed, which for the most part rests on Alex's face, the video feed, it, it alternates between Alex's face there at the defense table and then Creighton making his arguments to the jury. In my assessment, Alec was varying between smirking and irritated mm -hmm. uh, throughout much of Creighton Waters' testimony. Like smirking like, yeah, you think you got me, bud. You think you got me, you think you're so smart. And just annoyed with the, the points Creighton was hammering on. And then just as soon, it was toward the end, you got to realize Alec is not seeing these images. His screen is covered up. They're, the, the screens are covered up there at the defense mm -hmm. table. There's not a monitor within his view that I'm aware of. Is there? No. Creighton is facing away from him. Creighton is facing the jury and is holding up handheld photos, not big giant photos. He's holding up handheld photos and presenting to them to the jury of the autopsy of the crime scene showing Paul and Maggie's injuries. And I, he starts doing this and the camera switches to Alec and he's just immediately wiping his eyes and rocking back and forth. And he's not seeing these images. Mm -hmm. And he's, you know, I, giving him the benefit of the doubt at this point is tough. But again, trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, I'm sure if I had to be repeatedly, if I were, again, Charlie, he's, he's innocent until proven guilty. So he's presumed innocent until proven guilty. And if he is portraying that innocent man up there on the stand, I, I have to try and sympathize with that and that I'm, I'm innocent. I didn't kill my wife and son, but I did see the most horrible thing I could ever imagine in my life. I, I, part of me wants to believe that, yes, it would impact me in the same way, where any even the mention of it would... Dissolve you. Yes, but... At a certain point, it's like that. Uh, it's like that preponderance of evidence thing. That the, the, the totality. Mm -hmm. When we when you take into account who this person is and the portrayal that the, the the state prosecutors have made against him and what they're telling you about him, and you take it in within full context, it, it's it's getting harder and harder to buy that it's not theatrics. Well, on that, that point, I want to play the next clip. We have a clip that I think will speak to what you're talking about. This defendant, on the other hand, has fooled everyone, everyone, everyone who thought they were close to him, everyone who thought they knew he was who he was. He's fooled them all. And he fooled Maggie and Paul too. 
and they paid for it with their lives. Don't let him fool you too. There you go. Yeah. That's, that's that in a nutshell, right? State's case. It is the state's case, mm -hmm. isn't it? Right. That if he would lie so many times, why would he not lie to this jury? Let him fool you. Don't let him fool you. And I, I truly, the credibility issue is, uh, as we talked about it, I think was the central theme of the state's case that he's not believable in any way whatsoever. He's lived his life one way on the outside, but he's really this way actually, and he's a master of deception. And you know, really, I. Uh, I think we can almost, I hate to put it this way, but I think that this, the defense may almost stipulate to that at this point that the credibility is not at a high level at all with this defendant. So I think they're going to go more towards the lack of proof here mm -hmm. and reasonable doubt from that standpoint. I think that's their more effective approach, which I think we're headed that way. Go ahead, Drew. Uh, yeah, he really, Creighton really, really, really brought that credibility issue home. Uh, it, he, he made the point, he made several points, and, and I, I have my notes pulled up here, and I, I'll try and go through a, a couple of them. But I thought that one of the most salient points he made uh, was, everybody's lying except Alec. <laughs> <laughs> he went, the, he, he made this, he made this point individually a few times, and then he tied them all together. Alex said, Shelly Smith was either misremembering or wrong about what she thought she heard. Blanca Simpson was misremembering or wrong. Jeannie Seconder mm -hmm. was wrong. Mark Tinsley didn't remember it correctly that Alec confronted him at a, mm -hmm. at a conference in front of all these people. When you take it into the account of how many times he has lied and what he hasn't lied about and what he's admitted he's lied about, I was lying to you then, but I'm not lying to you now. Right. And then Creighton really tied that all together. Who's credible here? T.C. Smalls, the sheriff who said, Alec never talked to me about putting blue lights in his vehicle. That's, and Alec said it three times on the stand. He's a proven a liar right there. Creighton proved he was yeah, a liar. Yeah, those are, yeah, I'm hearing you talk this way. And, you know, we talk about... You know, you have the emotional support for jurors, really also just from a logical, let's go through the evidence, forget any emotion whatsoever, and let's follow the judge's instructions, presume them innocent. You're right, it's, a, it's, it's looking like a really strong circumstantial evidence case here. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and to add to your laundry list of people that, you know, the, they, they're not, they, they are remembering things the wrong way, I thought the one of the most uh, defining ones was Rogan Gibson because mm -hmm. we know that Rogan, Paul's dear friend, had gone to investigators independently the day after the crimes were committed, told them that there was a uh, that he heard Alex's voice behind Paul at this time, but they were not allowed to extract uh, that for yeah, nine months about that, yeah. due to the mm -hmm. iPhone issues. So they get the quote unquote kennel video. And it blows up in, in Alex's face. But the fact that we ha we heard him actually say, no, Rogan's got it wrong. I mean, it just, right. it was one. like, okay, well, here we go again. Right. Um, right. But that one was, to me, probably the the real nail, nail in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, but there is no uh, shortage of the sort of, circus atmosphere outside of our courtroom either. <laughs> and um, 
I, it's been amazing, actually. Uh, this is a historical case, absolutely. I'm thrilled to see so many people Maybe it's because of all of the, for some people, the salaciousness, or maybe it's like the celebrity of who you get to see at different places. But I do think a lot of people have just been really engaged in this case, which is great to mm -hmm. actually have an interest in the, what's happening for the future of South Carolina's legal system, I guess. But it does get a little carried away. Um, when A.G. Wilson came in today, we actually, I actually caught it on my phone because I was, um, I was expecting it kind of. We had just heard the same kind of rousing um, entrance from uh, Dr. Kim Kinsey, which I thought was kind of surprising. So I'll play this for you. How are you feeling about today? Good, thank That's right. The line applauded A.G. Allen Wilson as he walked into the court today. He got a hero's welcome. He did. And, hey, it went really well for him, as we've talked about. And um, I'm actually really pleased for him being a, a, a big fan of A.G. Wilson. But and I, I really don't think, to show you, I think, where we are with this, I don't think Alec Murdoch has really any fans to speak of out there. Would you agree with me on that? Well, and I think that that's absolutely true. I think that the the true crime fans and mm. the the people that have wanted to come in just to maybe they're from around here and they just wanted to kind of see how this was rolling through. No, I I definitely feel like it's been on one side. Yeah, and I'm not saying he deserves any fans given his conduct uh, that he's admitted to. But one thing, I, just a personal story. One thing that I've really found interesting. I, I I sit really close to the defendant just to. Uh, a, a, two rows back mm -hmm. so and someone asked me today they were worried that i was there supporting the defendant and i explained it's not like a wedding you know they don't seat you on whatever side of the court that you're supporting but i think there's an intensity level out there that uh i think i don't have no expect, thought that these jurors are in any way being directly influenced by anyone out there but people across the country have seen the evidence and i do think that the jurors are seeing the same evidence Mm -hmm. That's why I do think that the the, the likelihood of, of a state's verdict is definitely there. Mm. And I know a lot of my attorney colleagues think otherwise, and I will see how this goes. Really? So you've heard a lot of attorneys saying, no, yeah, no I, I think they're sort of into, oh, if I were, you know, this whole sort of um, hyper, I feel like a sort of hyper-technical view of, of uh, what the state needs to prove relative to circumstantial evidence and sort of like, oh, you know, he's... We don't have the murder weapon. Well, so I mean, he got rid of them. They're only eyewitnesses. He, he, he. The state's there. He murdered them. So let's, right. let's go into what evidence we do have. And I, and as, as I go through it in my head, I'm thinking, yes, the state uh, in, in collecting evidence, you can argue could have done a better job, made some mistakes. But regardless, look at the evidence that is has been proven. And we talked about the strands of a rope and. I feel like in my own head, I could count a couple hundred strands, I feel like. And so for him yep. not to have committed these murders, he not only would have to be probably the most unluckiest person maybe who's ever lived. Uh, I hate to go that strong, but I think that's kind of where I'm in my head. But on top of that, he would have had to have no thought of finding his wife's and son's killers because that's the first, I can't imagine, right? Mm. That you 
you come across your wife and son dead and you don't tell the police completely what happened, even to your own peril? Uh, I don't know. So, uh, so I do think there's a bit of a, uh, a disconnect with, I don't know, I, I feel like there's a little disconnect going on here. And I'll see if I'm right from, from where my head is versus uh, some of my respected colleagues in, in the legal field, but I do think there's, there's, there's that strain that's out there. Yeah, well, I think, Charlie, you've, you've also got uh, a little bit of the phenomenon of people getting their kicks out of being contrarian on social media, especially among a lot of attorneys that, that I've seen following the case and commenting on the case. Just just an observation. They're getting, uh, they're, they're relishing in the, uh, the riding the 15 minutes of fame train, and they they got a following that wants to be snarky and negative so they lean into it everybody does their own thing uh, <laughs> well, one thing about I, trials we get one thing and I, so really like elections i've been involved with both you get results mm -hmm. and so we'll know soon enough whether yeah. this is guilty or not guilty or hung jury so and then results well, here yeah everybody's everybody's just another you're just another joe blow with something to say uh, until there's uh, yeah, uh, uh, kind of gets back to my point last night. You take in as much information as you can and, and really be scrupulous about the opinions you let influence you and the facts and the way facts are presented. But, but anyway, um, one thing I wanted to get to is how this all landed. Do you two feel, having been in the courtroom, how this landed with the jury today overall, uh, taking a, a, a broad broad look at it. Uh, it, what worked, what didn't. I, I can say from my perspective, I, I want to make the, I want to get to a point that Creighton Waters made today with circumstantial evidence versus direct evidence. He brought out the photo, uh, the, the piece of paper with the photo of the Mona Lisa on it. He ripped a corner of the paper off mm -hmm. and he said, this is still the Mona Lisa, right? You can still tell that what this is and that circumstantial evidence and he, he said uh he said uh proof proof beyond a reasonable doubt leaves you firmly convinced of the guilt of the defendant even if you do have doubts about certain facts uh and that's right right after that is when he made the an analogy uh you know you can know that it's rained outside without yeah. getting wet um <laughs> essentially that was good yeah uh, to me and I've raised these doubts, I've said them publicly, I've said them on this podcast, I, I've, about the two-shooter theory and how Alec pulled it off and what was, what was plausible to me and what wasn't. And w the way Creighton phrased it, I have doubts about some of the facts, but are they reasonable doubts that, are there reasonable doubts that, it, it, that sway my opinion in the, uh, against Right. The state's position. And at this point, having seen everything I, I've seen, I think enough of those blanks are filled in. Maybe I can't see every single piece of the puzzle, but I see the picture. I see and I can I can resolve it in my head as that's what I'm seeing. You think so, Attorney Griffin could to change your mind? Because that I think is I actually think it's his task. I think he's he may have some jurors with him, but I think the majority may not be with him. So his task is to Get minds changed. What would work with you with where you are right now? I, I think I'm going to be very reductive in the way that I say this and very mm -hmm. uh, perhaps a little bit crass. Uh, put up or shut up. Yeah. Um, Point me as to why. Yeah. Even though give the burden's me, on the state, I think they met their burden, so show me why I'm wrong on this. Yeah. Give me, uh, you've given me theories. 
How about the one where I think he's going to go with this, that had they used the Faraday bag and not allowed the data to be erased, remember mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the data that they, mm -hmm. I think there was an expert that said that, that then we could have, it should have been obvious then where that phone was and it would have been inconsistent with the defendant's guilt. Would that work on you? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. It, it is that it is that one big hanging thread. But the, even getting back to our earlier point today, Creighton Creighton brought that home for me. He he put into context when when that he put into context, and maybe I've just been overlooking it when that last phone rotation occurred. It occurred right after Alec got in the car. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, he's just checking. Yeah, that was good. He and and he even said he even put this into words today that Alec took that golf cart back up the house with the phone mm -hmm. and put the phone in, inside his SUV. Mm -hmm. It's so simple, yet to have them to be able to say it uh, out loud, what their theory was, I can speculate all day, we can speculate all day, but to hear the state actually say what they think happened and it all fell into place mm -hmm. for me. I, I, think it, I think it certainly did. Um, but to, to that point, how do y'all think it landed with the jury? And Oh, well, we some questions um, yeah, I was talking to Max over there in the corner at the, at the very end. But what I was going to say about with the jury, I think that the jury had a full day today. Mm -hmm. I think that the trip to Moselle was important. I do think that was actually a good decision by the defense. We'll see how it how it really landed. But I think that was a good idea. But it did take take the wind a little bit out of them. So I was watching them. They were tired. Mm -hmm. They, you know, some of them had their arms crossed towards the end with Creighton. I get what Creighton's doing. I would have, it, they would have preferred to have been a little more condensed, I think. And I saw Newman trying to handle that, which I thought he did, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think Waters got, but I think it, I think that they were at the end getting the message that they wanted to hear maybe a little bit earlier. And that's all I would really say. I agree, though. I think it had to be done. I think they understand most of them took it very seriously. Um, you're always going to you know, have a few right. people that kind of wander. But I feel like they took it very seriously. I saw a lot of um, a lot of direction into creating a lot of effort. And that's one thing I want to just say. I, I hope when um, after this whole thing's over, I hope they know that they've really done everything they could because we've watched them like hawks, and I know that the majority of them have done everything they that. can mm -hmm. to understand this very complex mm -hmm. case. I agree with that. So that's, that was really what I was thinking. Did you have something for me, Max? Yeah, it's on the same vein. Like, What does the defense tomorrow have to drive home in order to make their case? Yeah, I'll take that. I, I think he's, and I think he's up to it, actually. I think Jim will be, be good at this, but I think he needs to use this combination of, okay, my client is not a nice person. He has extreme character flaws, but don't punish him for that. He's on trial for murder. And let's look at what the state says proves that he's guilty of murder and then go through how it, ends up being, from their perspective, weak. That there are holes in this, there's holes in these timelines. I think he's gonna to point to that Faraday bag and he's gonna to point towards the, and we know this because they've, they've, they've tested it, 
that people don't want to believe someone is ever capable of killing their wife mm -hmm. and their son. I think that's going to be his major theme, and that don't punish him for being an awful person with, with how he's led his life. And look at what the evidence is here, and would you, could you sleep at night on this sort of evidence that's, he'll say it's flimsy, it's flawed, there's so many police mistakes. If they had gone in there and, and secured uh, the main house, if they'd gone to Almeda, there would have Earlier. been proof that he didn't do it. And since they didn't do their jobs, you need to be held to what the law says, that you have to have this proven beyond a reasonable doubt. And here are the, I think I'll probably have about 10 to 20 doubts, probably, that are very reasonable as to how he didn't do it. And Jim's got a lovely way of addressing yeah, the jurors, and they respond yeah, to him. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's how, where he goes with this. And I think, you know, we may be singing a different tune tomorrow afternoon, quite possibly, over yeah. the podcast. Because I mean, there, there's, there's, there's meat there that, um, that one could, could marshal towards uh, defendant Murdoch. And then we have Metters. Metters comes back. Then we have the the judge is going to go into um, the charges for mm -hmm. our jury. Mm -hmm. Jury charges, right? Uh, and then they deliberate, and we've told been told they can go through the weekend if they so need to. So we can put that on the table. But last words, I'm going to. Are you sure it's going to be matters? Well, I for last argument we're I'm, talking about. Yes, yeah. I. Yeah, here otherwise. I haven't heard otherwise. I'm just okay. Uh, yeah, I, I feel. I, let's put it this way: I'd, I'd I'd be really, really surprised. So things can change quickly in this case, and so I think it could be a change that occurs maybe tonight. But that's my understanding as of today. And yeah. so that kind of made, I thought I actually think it was good use of of, of talent out there. Mm -hmm. Out there. Last words. Right. Uh, uh, yep. Yeah, let me hold this. Let me throw this out there if I could. South Carolina. Uh, we're here uh, in the year of our Lord, 2023, and we have an African-American judge presiding over the double murder trial of a disgraced, prominent attorney with deep, deep roots here in this part of South Carolina. We're in rural Colleton County, and the defense has the dream team defending and we have the Attorney General of South Carolina with his team actively involved in prosecuting him. I think it's a moment for us. So absolutely. we'll see where this moment goes. It is a defining moment. And it is going to be absolutely fascinating to see how this ripples through every case going forward. How do you not measure the Murdoch murder trial up against every other murder trial in South Carolina? With that, I'm going to say goodnight, unless anybody has to just say something. Oh, I've got, okay. I've, got, okay. I've got so many different, so many more oh, things that I can I talk know. about. Just this, little, that's what we have to go into overtime, but just, tonight we're going to say goodnight. Just little points, but it, yeah, it was, what a day. Amazing day. Yeah, I thought, it was fascinating, and it's a privilege to be in that courtroom and, that. and to be able to cover this for you guys, and we appreciate your time tonight. You will see us here tomorrow night. We may be well getting close to a verdict in this, so... Stick with us. We'll let you know where we are. Bye.
Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.